I'm very uh, privileged to be able to introduce Steve Bamford from GolfBettingSystem.co.uk to a good talk spoiled. Um, hey, Steve. How are we, guys? You okay? Good. Good. Um, I was looking at your website in preparation for for talking to you today, and it's an incredible resource for golf betting. Could you just tell the listeners how that website came about? Um, we haven't. We've only got twenty minutes from what you told me, so I'll keep it brief. Um, <laughs> Paul and I used to work for a. Um, uh, we used to work for uh, Dixon's Group over here in the UK. So you might PC World and Dixon's. Yeah. And and uh, we used to sit there not working most of the time and just kind of eulogising about, I wonder if you could predict the outcome of golf tournaments because, you know, rather than sort of backing a three-to-one horse, you can back sort of players at 100, 200, 500 to one and guess what, they actually win on occasion. Mm. And uh, we had a guy there who was a bit of a stats genius who could who, um, who was good at building... Um, Front, uh, internet front-ended databases, and it's still the database we use for our predictor model. And uh, he came up with this model one day and kind of presented it to us, and we just started playing with it and throwing data in it. And we we kind of saw something there that uh, was unique. No one else on the internet had that kind of functionality, and that's where it kind of started. That was back in two thousand and eight. And we actually started Golf Bank System as a as its end or as the entity it is now in two thousand and nine. So we're actually into our sixth year now. Wow, that's great. That's, that's how it started. Yeah, Steve. Actually, you mentioned the predictor, and for me, that's the one thing how I found your website. First of all, is I noted the predictor, and I find it's a great tool if you're looking at uh, events. Could you give us just a, a, maybe explain the predictor itself? Predictor, yeah. Obviously, what you'll find with Gold Bank System, you guys know, is everything's free, so we, we don't charge anyone for anything. So um, there's a range of information on there. There's obviously our weekly previews that we do, Paul and myself. Paul Williams is my partner. He looks after the European Tour, and I specifically look after the PGA Tour. We then divvy up World Golf Championships and um, major championships. The Predictor itself, basically, the way I best describe it, it's... Um, we throw 20, 25 different variables into a database. And um, on the left-hand side of the actual um, the web page, we've got throttles. And dependent on what kind of variables you think are going to be important for this particular tournament, and that obviously builds itself around the kind of course they're playing, um, the kind of grasses that they're going to be putting on, that kind of information... Mm. You can build your own tailor-made prediction. Now, we publish our own prediction every week. Obviously, one for the European Tour, one for the PGA Tour. And that's Paul and I's personal opinion as to what variables we think are going to be the most important for that particular week. And so now, you... from, that, from that point on, I mean, you, you, you know, you've got 144 players in a full-field tournament. What the predictor model is very good at doing is saying, of those 144 players... How short does my shortlist need to be? You know, I, you can actually rank a, a rank a, a top ten, a top fifteen, up to a top twenty-five. Mm. So you know, it's very good at bringing a, a, a field list down to more manageable numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's a great tool, and, and I suppose a, a very simple example would be if you took a, I suppose an old traditional U.S. Open where driving accuracy may have been considered important. You, if you were have a, an driving accuracy stat there, you would give that a rating of ten. You say, "Well, I want to put a lot of emphasis in this." That's yeah. if you personally believe it's important. Um, and no, I, I think it's great. Um, and I suppose that kind of is as well. It gives us a bit of an overview of of how exactly you find winners. But maybe just to give an example of your methodology, if you're looking at the Sony Open this week, what, how how would you approach the Sony Open? Um. In a myriad of different ways, um, and I'm sure every every professional tipster out there has their own way of working. Um, Paul and I have become increasingly more um, stat based over the years. Um, I think that's the reason we've done that is because, as you guys will know, the golf betting system itself, as part of the way that the site's developed, mm. we're actually giving away a lot more free statistics to people, so you can get information about every tournament in terms of uh, uh, players' form on that course, 
players' form going into that tournament, uh, top 20 results there, first round leader results there. There's, there's a myriad of different statistics. We're actually going to launch in the next few weeks another department within the, um, within the, uh, within golf betting system that's even more detailed, uh, even more detailed statistics around how players do in past 70s, 71, 72s, cool. different kinds of gr- uh, grass greens, all kinds of tournament information as well, information around what kind of target price do you need to be looking at to actually to grab the winner this week, because you guys will know, some golf tournaments, you tend, like last week uh, at Kapalua, uh, the average price there for the last five years, I believe, was 16 to 1 of the winner, or 14 to 1. So that, in, you know, when I pulled my um, actual um, tips together last week, I was very, very focused on making sure that I went for prices that I thought were going to be in the mix. Um, you look at the Sony Open this week, so we've got 14 to 1 last week. The Sony Open average price over the last five years was 125 to 1. So you can see where it kind yeah. of goes. Yeah. It starts to shape the kind of player prices you want to be looking at that potentially could win the tournament. And it's, it's, sorry, it's, wor- it's worth mentioning at this point as well. You had the winner last week as well, didn't you? No, I did, yeah. Patrick Reed, yeah. And he was 16 to 1. Was he 16 uh, to 1? He came on uh, Monday. Monday, uh, they, he opened up at twenty fives. By the time my tips came out, because we always publish our tips uh, five o'clock, um, five o'clock over here in the UK. So um, he was twenty two to one nice, at that point. Nice, nice, very nice. Okay, and that's close. close that's close to the range you, you were talking about. So in future, Steve, yeah. can you send us those tips at you know four fifty five somewhere about that time? Might help. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's it's funny you should say that because. If you keep your eye on odds checker, um, as soon as the various different tipsters tips start to be published, you start to see seas of blue on odds checker. Yeah, mm. but the one guy that obviously is followed probably the most over here in the UK, just because he's part of the racing post and the circulation it gets, is Steve Palmer. And you can tell, obviously, over here the racing post becomes available uh, first thing on a Wednesday morning. Yeah, so get yourself down to news agents. But you can see the players that he's tipped on the Tuesday afternoon because they start to turn blue even on Tuesday afternoon. So wow. people get to know who his tips are before the general public. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I wouldn't want to go into who knows or, you know, maybe mm. you work in the print works, for example. But, yes, interesting stuff. I had one quick question as well, just in relation to stats, and we sometimes talk, I suppose we all play a bit of fantasy golf, and a lot of our, our odds dependence. I had a question that I'd like to ask you, just to pick your brain on it, and it's in relation to recent form of a player as against course form, because I know a lot of tipsters would, would pay attention to course form. Would you put more emphasis on recent form, or would you put more emphasis on course form, or maybe to phrase it differently... Would you prefer to be having, and I know you probably wouldn't bet on either, but would you prefer a player with really good form going into a course that he doesn't necessarily like, or would you prefer a player who isn't really playing great but is going to a course he loves? Uh, let me get to that question. i, I tell you where I'll, I was coming to. One of the things that Paul and I look at are target prices. The other thing that we, we keep a very close eye on are the are skill attributes of an individual golfer. So we'll look each week at every golfer in the field and how they're driving accuracy, greens in regulation and putting average trending. Yeah? Mm. We'll also look at how their scrambling's trending. And from that, you can start to see patterns as to if an out-of-form, and this is what, exactly what you're saying, you may find that there's a golfer out there that's supposedly out-of-form, but his game, you can see, is starting to turn. Yeah. Now, if you can see an out-of-form golfer that's about to hit a golf course that he's got good course form on, and you know that his greens in regulation is starting to improve week yeah. on week, yeah, all of a sudden you can grab a very uh, a, a very good price on a golfer that's supposedly out-of-form, who then suddenly, as you guys, you know, you watch a lot of golf, all of a sudden a player comes from nowhere and all of a sudden he's contending at the top of the leaderboard. Oh, okay, yeah. So we we keep a very close eye on the actual individual statistics okay. of their of their key skill sets building up to each and every tournament. Now we're having to grab this data and we're having to manipulate it week in week out. It's a hell of a job. So um, 
But in answer to your question, I, I don't know. We were kind of discussing it before we started recording. In, in a way, I, it varies on the kind of player that you're kind of looking at. You know, a certain player like Matt Kuchar, if he isn't playing well and, and his, his form isn't good, you just know he isn't going to win from out of the blue. Yeah. If yeah. you look at someone like... Uh, the, the example I always use is a guy on the PGA Tour called John Rollins. And John Rollins, he's kind of a journeyman. And um, you can kind of try and predict when John Rollins will ever get a top ten or a top five. But the week you predict it based on his form, he'll miss the cut. And then three weeks later, when he's missed the cut three times, he'll actually finish third. And you just get these vagaries. But, you know, over time, you, you start to understand how players work and how individual players, you know... Are they, they these kind of players that will need a build-up to win a tournament, or are they, are they the kind of players that actually just play well on certain golf courses and they'll just all of a sudden jump into into contention? You get a feeling for it. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, it, it takes time. It, it takes a lot of effort, but you know, it's all very, it's very fascinating. Yeah, it's all very fascinating. That's really, really interesting. I must say. I, I, I think Steve, the great thing about that is it's good segue into you know the background of the. Uh, the, the background of who you think is going forward um, into this season, and uh, in terms of particularly the majors, you know, you're, you've a hundred percent record, as Bobby was saying earlier, of predicting the, the, and tipping the winner from last week. Let's look at let, let's look at Augusta and the Masters. Who who do you fancy, or who are you looking out for at, at Augusta now? I know it's a few weeks out. I think Barry, you probably 80, eighty-seven days, only eighty-seven days, eighty-seven days that the season starts properly, but. Who, who who would you at this stage be kind of honing in on? Have you got one of those digital countdowns on the wall there? You know, it's counting the seconds and the minutes as, as you're heading towards Augusta. No, Barry. but I'm, I'm going to get in touch with Blue Peter and ask them how to make one. Yeah, that's a good I think, idea. I think, Barry, I think Barry tattoos it on his arm every morning. <laughs> I say one thing I noticed about Augusta this year, guy. Have you seen the size of the field already? It's getting close to 100, isn't it? Isn't this, this is the yeah. big debate every year that... There's always a race by the committee and the Masters to keep it under 100, and every year it's getting very tight. Is it up to about 90? It's in it's the mid 90s, I think, isn't it? I think it's mid 90s. 99 or something. 99, is it? Okay, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I know it's quite high. That, in, in, in a way, that's an interesting point because you might find that a couple of the leading bookmakers will go six places each way, so that's something just to watch out for. That's great news. <laughs> um, it's interesting, Augusta. Um, for me, um, I think you've got to be a long hitter. Mm. That's fairly obvious. Um, I think you've got to have a very high ball trajectory. Okay. So you've got to be one of these guys that can hit it long but hit it, hit it high. Yeah. Um, you've got to be a, um, a player that can take advantage of par five. Okay. Because if you look at the score in Augusta each year, it's always the par fives that effectively win the tournament. Yeah. yeah. And it's, for me, the tournament has changed. It's changed a lot since 2009 when I started to, you know, to cover it professionally. It's now become, in the past when I was, you know, when I was a youngster and I used to watch, watch the, uh, the, uh, watch the play August, it was all about the putting. It was all about the incredibly fast greens. It was all about short game. Mm. If you look at the statistics now and you look at the kind of player that wins at Augusta, it's all about ball striking now and it's all about greens and regulation. Well, okay. That, for me, brings different players into the mix. So if you look at it, Bubba Watson last year, well, we know Bubba, it's all about his amazingly long driving. It's all about the fact that he can shake the ball both ways. It's all about the fact that he can hit lots of greens and regulation, yeah? The, the winner prior to that was obviously Adam Scott, and Adam Scott, another high greens and regulation ball striker, uh, Bubba Watson the year before that. So you can kind of see the way that the, the actual tournament's got. Mm. Um, if you were, I don't know, if you were going to pin me down right now, and you already have done, <laughs> the player I fancy, and I, I think will make a charge at some point, and he's had quite a disappointing record there, although I know he's had a couple of top tens. The player that I find quite interesting for uh, the Masters this year is, is uh, Justin Rose. Wow. Because for me, Justin Rose, he's the kind of high high ball, high ball flight, high GIR. He 
probably not the best putter in the world, but he's a very good bent grass green putter. Okay. But at the moment, I'm, I'm just looking here. You can grab him at twenty-five to one, which I think is a cracking anti-post price, really. That's yeah. good for Justin. Mean, you always would expect him to go well in Augusta because of his ball striking more in recent years, and he just he really does disappoint. He's terrible. At, he's very slow at starting tournaments. I, I, you see that in Augusta. If you start slow on day one, or if you're yeah. not in or in the, the top ten or top twelve you know, after thirty-six holes, you're pretty much out of the tournament. Now you've got to be up there. But the thing is, if you look at if you look at winners that win at Augusta, there's key tracks they tend to do well at. One of them is the old Doral. It changed last year, but Doral, the Trump International Doral, the mm. it's the Cadillac Championship. Uh, players that do well there, they play very well at uh, at uh, Muirfield Village, yeah. the Memorial. Mm. They play very very well at the Northern Trust Riviera uh, uh, Riviera. I think. Riviera. It's February. They play mm-hmm. in California. Yeah. Rose has done well at all of those courses. Yeah, he's just one of those. You know, I, and I'm a lover of Phil Mickelson, and I can tell you this now. Um, there was a tweet went out last week from Dave Tyndall, um, who's you know, when it comes to, to golf uh, tipping, Dave Tyndall, he's like my idol. When I started getting into <laughs> golf, golf tipping, Dave Tyndall's the man for me. And he, he sent out a tweet last week, 33 to 1 for Phil Mickelson is av- was available at Corals. Wow. I, I, I had to get stuck into that, so I, I've had a personal bet on Phil Mickelson at 33 to 1. He's, he, he's available now at Corals at 28 to 1, but Mickelson, again, high ball fly. Um, he's, uh, he can shake the ball both ways, and when he's actually in form, he can hit a hell of a lot of greens in regulation, and we know for a fact that he's a fantastic putter. Mm. So they reckon that Phil is losing a lot of weight in the gym at the moment. There's rumours about arthritis, but Phil Mickelson, I, I think he's going to have a far better season this year than he did last year. And if he does win one of the West Coast Swing events on the PJ Tour, which he's got a habit of doing, you know, Phoenix or Riviera, something like that, all of a sudden that, that 28 to 1 of Coral is going to be something like 14 to 1. Mm-hmm. I, there's one stat that I bang on about a lot every week, and it might be interesting to get to your view on it, yeah. that since the year 2000, only one player over the age of 40 has won a major on a U.S. soil. And for me, and I know Dave Tyndall, I think I think if you're his idol, I think uh, Mickelson is Dave Tyndall's idol. I think he's a big fan of his. I always... As a shortlist for a U.S. major, I draw a line straight through anyone that's over 40 for U.S. majors nowadays. And and for Mickelson, like definitely British Open, I and particularly somewhere like St. Andrews, I would be well open to Mickelson. And the guys over 40s have won the British Open. But I just draw a line straight through Americans, and that's purely, or sorry, yeah, through over 40s, purely on, on that basis. What do you think that is? It's interesting. Why would you think that is? I, no, I, I'm not disagreeing or agreeing. I, I can I can see the logic behind it, but why do you think that older guys? Is it the pure? Is it just because the pure length of the golf course it takes so much out of them? I think the I, I would think it's stamina, mental yeah. concentration. If you're 22, if you're a Ricky Fowler or you're a Jordan Spieth, I think you're yeah. going to be mentally sharp. Whereas if you're an Ernie Els, let's say for example, who I've seen people tipping up for majors, I think. He's not going to maintain his concentration uh, as much as some of the younger guys are. You know, these guys who are in the gym regularly are very sharp. Um, and even you look at some of the, the leaderboards, and I think generally you would notice that. Maybe it's just, I suppose on average there are younger people playing in the tournaments, but I always find the leaderboards tend to, on the on the American majors, when it's really pressures at its highest, I always find it's the younger guys who seem to come through, you know. Yeah, I, I can see the logic. Maybe that's one of the reasons that he's hit the gym. They reckon he's shed over. They reckon he's shed over a stone already. He's uh, apparently he's uh, starting up on the paleo diet, which is basically going back to the, the way the caveman used to eat ten thousand years ago. He's eating really pure food and staying away from the Twinkies and things like that. You know, <laughs> so, uh, you've just alienated a lot of American <laughs> listeners. Well, there you go. The thing, the thing about Phil, like any time he's had a bad season, he's backed it up. The next year with a really good season, so I would expect him to go out and win this year. And I'd say he is motivated like never before after last year. I do agree. I, I, say, I, I think the age point is a very valid one, but, then, but at the end of the day, you know, he came extremely close to winning uh, the PGA Championship last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, that's the other thing about Augusta. We don't know what the course and conditions are going to be, but one thing is for sure: even if it's 
you know, if, the, if it's uh, if that part of Georgia has a lot of rain building up to the tournament, you just know that with the aero under the greens, that the stimp on, on the greens is always going to be fairly quick. Yeah. But you know, Phil does like a softer golf course. But yeah, I mean, so for me, my mind at the moment is Justin Rose for the Masters. Cool, cool. Can I ask you another one quick question? Uh, yeah. A guy who I have persistently lost money following... Um, Bar one place back in Whistling Straits is Dustin Johnson. What do you think of yep. Dustin for the Masters? He hasn't Dustin, got a snitch. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> this is the point, is it? Dustin, um, if you look at where he's done well, he actually ticks virtually every box. Mm. Um, all of those courses I mentioned earlier. Um, I, he's one of those, isn't he? I don't, I don't think that Dustin can't ever win Augusta. Um, he went very well one year. There's, there's kind of rumours about Dustin, isn't there, and, and Dustin's social life. And I, I, I got a, I got a tweet one day from a guy in the States that mentioned that Dustin potentially likes to party the, the week before uh, Augusta. I, okay. I, can't, I won't go into any more yeah. depth for obvious reasons, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, like he's, yeah, I saw him 40 to 1... <laughs> Uh, I saw him at forty to one this morning, so I kind of thought. He's come in already, thirty-three to one at the moment. Yeah, uh, I think it might be forty to one with some of the other bookies, but yeah, he's uh, Bob, Bob took twenty-five percent of his pension fund and put it on Dustin. Not just yet, but we will move on, James. Will we? Uh, yeah, the U.S. Open, uh, Chambers Bay, up in Washington State. This is a newish course. It's only about uh, eight, eight, nine years old. Any feelings in relation to uh, where who's who's going to walk away with this one? Dustin Johnson. <laughs> well, it's funny you should say it because I've actually I'm just serious. shown Barry my Are you prediction, and I no, have Dustin I'm Johnson. Not there. Are you serious? Oh, okay. You, you, you look at Dustin Johnson. You you look at his results. You look how he plays on the coast. You you look how Dustin plays well on longer golf courses. Um, he, he did well at Pebble Beach, didn't he? He was in contention yeah. there and it crumbled. He he played well at Torrey Pines. Um, he went to college, I believe, in South Carolina. I think it was some kind of um, naval, or, or it was it was a college that was right on on the coast. You can just tell the harder the wind blows, the better it is. I, I just think Dustin Johnson has got a much better chance at the U.S. Open at Chambers Bay than he has at, uh, at Augusta. He's also uh, very I'm, relaxed. I'm Forty to one right now for him at Coral. Yes, that's a cracking price in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That's a huge course as well. I think it stretches up to over seven thousand seven hundred yards, so it's, and it's going to be some test. And Steve, he won't be forty to one after he wins at Augusta as well. <laughs> well, potentially. Yeah, yeah. Whole, he, he probably won't be forty to one. I'm trying to think. I think I've seen something saying that his comeback is going to be at Torrey Pines. Yeah, there's rumours. Yeah, I, yeah. Now, I, I, I don't foresee that Dustin Johnson's become a bad player overnight. Yeah, he might take a couple of tournaments or three or four tournaments to get up to speed, but you just know that he's a phen- phenomenal talent, he's a, he's a phenomenal athlete. I just think that that, that 40 to 1, is, you know, I, I'd be having, I'd be very tempted just to yeah. snap that up early doors. I, I don't think he's going to get any longer, put it that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, he, he just suits, he suits the course. The one thing I need to point out to you guys is, that um, obviously Mike Davis, who, um, who who runs the tournaments for the US uh, GA, he's mentioned a couple of interesting things about um, Chambers Bay. Firstly, he's mentioned the fact that he could that they may change uh, the pars on some of the holes during the course mm. uh, during the actual tournament, which would be the first time they've ever done that. Yeah. The other thing is, I know it's a new course, isn't it? Two thousand and seven, it was built. Um, extremely long. But it's the only, uh, the, the beauty of the course is supposedly it's 100% fescue. Now that includes both rough fairways and greens. Yeah. Wow. There's now, no there's on, no fringe apparently. Now on my, on my Facebook, or on our Facebook group, we've got a lot, a lot of guys from over in the Republic, over in Northern Ireland. And they've mentioned to me that I'm no expert, that there's various courses over in Ireland that, are, uh, that have uh, fescue greens. Is that, is that true, or is that anything? Is that something you guys know about? No. <clears throat> let us let us research that, and we'll come can, back can to you. Is, can, is you our... can you ask us an easier question? <laughs> <laughs> that, we, uh, well, I think Royal Dublin might have been mentioned. Patrick Harrington has done well around there. Obviously, he's a Dublin guy, isn't he? Yeah, um, yeah. 
Dublin was mentioned having fescue green. Okay, well, that, that might, you know, some of the Irish guys might have an advantage. You don't know. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get on Google here in the background. Um, and I suppose the thing is, but if it's by the by the sea, I suppose that it, it is one that um, it would suit the Irish guys. Uh, the and going just one last thing, Justin Johnson obviously did well in the British Open. Do you remember when I think it was the one Darren yeah. Clark won? So he obviously suits in that one as well. Absolutely. I actually went to that tournament with Paul. It was a, it was a sandwich, and it was at, the conditions were absolutely abysmal. And I said that's a really gnarly, horrible golf course. Yeah. That, that's why I think Dustin Johnson yeah. really does take up well for Chambers, but I think Dustin Johnson's fast becoming your new man crush instead of Adam Scott, like me or Adam. Well, I, I I have to tell you, he will be getting a mention before we finish <laughs> up with the mate. Another mention. Um, my one, I was thinking again. A lot of the reasons similar to what you were saying is I, I think Martin Keimer is out because I think this Chambers Bay could be similar-ish to Whistling Straits, where it's just where he obviously won and and Bubba and Dustin Johnson obviously both did well there. So I, I think. It looks like a similar course to me, and I've only looked it on pictures. So I think Keimer is another one, I, and I, and I, it might go back to back. I'm going to throw a curveball in. I think Hideki Matsuyama will yeah. play very well there. He's an absolute animal with uh, his accuracy for his irons. The only thing I would have thought is, and is that I have, I actually haven't written down that I would have fancied him for more of a traditional U.S. Open where it's, you know, tighter fairways, more inland. And I know he has done. He actually did well. I think he was sixth in the British Open a couple of years ago. But I actually haven't done that. I would have fancied for a more where driving accuracy okay. would be more. That's well, I, I I'll win on this year, and you can win on next year. Then perfect. All right. Perfect. <laughs> um, we move on. I think so. Well, uh, just to say, I actually had Dustin Johnson down as my pick. Uh, oh, there we so, go. Uh, and I showed it to Barry before the start of that. So I'm glad to see we're on uh, the same wavelength. Dustin better win now, or else he's going to have a few angry people knocking on his door. I know. Now, a lot of guys out there, I know there's a lot of guys who, you know, guys on our Facebook, they think Dustin Johnson is one of these guys that hasn't got the balls for the job, but I'm not so sure. I think he's one of these guys that, um, I think, in the right circumstances, I think he can win a major championship. You know, he's won, he's won a world golf championship. Mm. You know, he's no mug. He's, he's no mug at all. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think, Steve, you'll have to get your... View in first before these two lads get theirs because uh, the next one at the Open Championship is in St Andrews and any listeners to the podcast know that if these two lads who have played it get going we'll be here all day listening to how they played around St Andrews. Um, I was sticking Sergio Garcia down as my pick. Um, it, it may be way off, but uh, who who are you thinking for for the Open Championship? What did what did you guys shoot around there? So sixty four, sixty five time. Time. Yeah, when they woke up, then it was a whole different well, score. It depends how much handicap you give me to uh, to take off my score. I, did, I I think I shot par for my handicap that day. Bob played totally different level of the game altogether. Yeah, well, only since you've asked, I don't like to throw. <laughs> uh, only since you asked, I shot seventy three gross that day. So. Uh, I birdied the first in the eighteenth. That's it. And I could have, I could have walked. I could have. God could have taken me that day after that. I like that. That's great, guys. I'd love to be able to play St. Andrews. I must say. It's um, it's, well, you guys know St. Andrews. At the end of the day, you know, um, driving accuracy is almost immaterial. Um, mm. The greens are huge. They're obviously made, you know, shared greens. Um, do you have a bunker avoidance stat on your uh, predictor model? Because I think no, that's, that's no, but I guarantee there's something on the PGA Tour stats that's around that kind. Of thing. <laughs> I, I'm going to be quite. That'll be a very helpful one in St Andrews. Those those bunkers. Some of them are absolute caverns. Being serious, when it comes to the US Open, and I'm not sure what the setup's going to be at Chambers Bay, but one of the statistics I always look at before the US Open is how players are doing in terms of being able to hit fairways out of out of rough. And sorry, how, how they're hitting greens and how the, what their proximity is like out of rough. Okay. And those kind of statistics are available on the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Um, I don't know, St Andrews, it, it just shouts one man to me, really. I mean, if you look at the course and if you look at Louis Oosthuizen, didn't he? He won there in 20... 10. I always mark that one 10. up in 2010. Yeah, 2010. It's every five years there in St Andrews, I think, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. If, if you look at Louis Oosthuizen now, don't, don't take this the wrong way, and if he's listening, I apologise, but in a way, he's, he's a kind of poor man Rory, poor man's Rory McIlroy. Yeah. On, on, yeah. on a course that could be taken apart and bullied, yeah? Yeah. Louis 
downs and tends to come to the fore, especially if it's soft condition. So I don't know if you remember a few years ago, he, he, he kind of went head to head with uh, Rory at CPC Boston. Okay. Um, he had a run over in the States where the conditions were quite soft. He was in green after green after green. He's that kind of guy. Once he gets in that mould with his long irons and his driver, boost houses can really bully a golf course. That's what he did to St Andrews. Yeah. For me, that kind of suggests. I know. I know Paul Casey's already been being mentioned for the Open Championship. But if you were to if you were to say to me, Steve, of the four majors, which one do you think Rory McIlroy is going to go best best at this season? I would have to say St Andrews. Yeah, I think it's it's hard to argue with that one, really. And obviously, the uh, I'm boring. Sorry. No, no, no. I but I'm sure it, it, it's most sensible. I, yeah. I don't. I don't really have a strong opinion about the Open just yet. Barry, do you about them? It's it's really it's going to be a huge amount. It's going to depend on what the weather is of the week. I mean, it's so hard to make a long term prediction. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to throw Ricky Fowler in the hat because he he loves his links golf. He's gone to the home of golf. He's a big traditionalist for the game. So I think it's just going to, all those factors will lead him to have a very good week, whether he goes on and wins is, a, mm. is another thing. But um, I, I think it'd be foolish to back against Ricky in a Lynx event. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you look at, I think that, that 2010 event, Louis Oosthausen got the, he, he got a, the really um, good side of the draw, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think the Friday, the, the Friday, was it Friday afternoon starters, they had absolutely hellish conditions. And this is the whole point. It's the Open Championship. Now you're, you're sitting at your desk on 13th of January 2015. You, you're not, you don't know what the conditions are going to be. The one thing that will upset Rory, if the conditions get extremely windy, he isn't the best wind player in the world. Mm. That's that's the truth. But yeah. you know, if, if it's blustery and it's kind of consistent, he can deal with that. You know, he's won a PGA National in the past over in Florida. He can deal with wind, but if it gets really nasty. Yeah. That's the kind of thing that Ricky Fowler. Ricky Fowler's a fantastic wind player. Yeah. Uh, Ricky can play better. The, the worse the conditions, the better Ricky tends to play. Yeah. It's just a question, actually, in terms of betting strategy for, in particular, the Open because it's so weather dependent. Would you prefer to get a slightly higher price longer in advance of the event, or a shorter price in a player, say the day before the event, when you have a really good idea about what the weather is going, the wind is going to be like on the Thursday and the Friday for each of the the halves of the draw. For me, I, for something like the Open Championship, I, I'd always go. I'd always go for a better price right towards the uh, the, the tee off itself. And it's interesting because over here in the UK, you know, the traditional high street bookmakers, Coral, William Hill, and Ladbrokes, every Wednesday morning, they always go best price. Mm-hmm. And a lot of punters mm-hmm. know that, and they wait. And yeah. by then, you know, and that's a, you know, we were talking about how I pull together um, tips and whatever. For me. I always work on target scores, and target scores tend to be dependent upon course conditions, how fast the course is, how slow the course is, but also what the weather's going to do. Is it going to rain? How strong is the wind going to be? And that all affects the target score, yeah? Hmm. Now, certain players can't reach certain uh, uh, low scores, and other players play better, you know, around the even minus four, minus five kind of target. Mm-hmm. It's, all that, it's all that kind of information that's key. So for the Open Championship, you know, we are scouring the, the weather reports as much as we can, building right up until when we go live with the tips. Oh, it's really that's really interesting for from our side of things just to get that your thoughts on it as well. I think with the Open as well, you actually they they actually come out with the draw quite early, don't they? I mm-hmm. think they come. Draw. Is it on the Monday or potentially on the Tuesday yeah. morning? Yeah. Steve, you mentioned target scores a good bit. Is are, is the target score research available on your website, or is that a, something that might come in the next iteration? Yeah, that's one of the things that we're looking at uh, that, that we're actually going to launch over the next uh, next few weeks. We, we, I, what I've been doing, obviously, I told you guys earlier. Um, my, my wife had a baby, or we had a baby, the 8th of December, so... <laughs> Congratulations. So, thank you very much. December um, and early January, I didn't have any PGA Tour events, and Paul was quite on the European Tour. We've been absolutely going at it for the last six weeks, pulling a lot of this data together, and target scores is definitely one of the things that we're going to be looking at distributing out there into the internet ether. It's the kind of information, which is what we're trying to do, is bring to the bring to the general public view the kind of information and data that we've pulled together over the last yeah. six to seven years. 
mm. and to actually give you guys the ability to view it rather than just the tipsters looking at it and kind of keeping it to themselves. Yeah, yeah. So just as a reminder for everyone listening, that's golfbettingsystem.co.uk for people who are listening. Mm-hmm. In terms of the PGA Championship, it's returning to whistling straight. Um, it's, it's as Barry was saying, and you were saying earlier, you know, not too dissimilar to Chambers Bay. Are you moving too far off who you were suggesting for Chambers Bay, or, or are you looking at a completely different set of attributes for for the winner around there? I think McElroy will go well there. That's obvious. He's, mm. he, you know, he loves the PGA Championship. You yeah. look at PGA Championship golf courses. What do they tend to be? Well, apart from Oak Hill. A year before last, they all tend to be long. They tend to be par seventy-two. They're all bent or they're bent poa green, yeah? yeah. Because you know the, the US PGA, they or they, they, the PGA, sorry, the PGA of America, they like to have the championship in northern states. Um, that fits McElroy's bill perfectly. Um, you, you've got to have a think about thing. You know, Adam Scott's been a bit quiet of late. You know, he's going to come back. Strong in 2015, you know that kind of high GIR long golf course game could suit Scott. None of us have mentioned Tiger Woods. We were, um, we were going to ask him about it. We we're going to ask you about him at the end, seeing as it, depending on whether or not we mentioned him. Which one of us had 35 minutes for the first mention of Tiger? <laughs> Another player I, I really like, one of my favourite players, is Henrik Stenson. I think the PGA Championship again suits Stenson more than the others. Hmm. Um, I always think Henrik has the perfect game for Augusta but he especially you know as we were discussing earlier the fact that the golf course is now high you know long hitters very high trajectory um, very high greens in regulation and I tipped him up last year Henrik Stenson and he he's, he's had a couple of top 20s there you just get the feeling one year he's going to make a breakthrough there he's going to get to understand what just just exactly what he needs to do a little bit better and I think Stenson could challenge Augusta PJ Championship, yeah, I, I can see him going extremely well there. But yeah, Whistling Straight, it's, it's, a, it's a it's a strange golf course, isn't it? Obviously, you've got you know bunkers that are bunkers. <coughs> and I was reading an interview with Zach Johnson just before uh, Kapalua last week, and even though he finished second there in 2010, he said he absolutely hates the golf course because it brings out. It, he was just saying that effectively that. It was all about trajectory, a lot of blind shots. It, it, it doesn't suit him whatsoever. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's, you know, it's a weird thing for a guy that finished second in the PGA Championship to say, but he says he can't stand the golf course. I re- it's funny, I read the exact same thing, and you, he was just saying it looks like a Lynx golf course, but it doesn't play like one at all, so it's a very aerial golf course. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that kind of fits into that McElroy-Stenson mold. And interesting, I had Stenson down as my pick for the Masters, but then again, you could lose an awful lot of money backing him there year after year after year until he does have that one win. Would you be worried about Stenson's putting in Augusta? Yeah, but this is what we're saying, isn't it? You know, Adam Scott is the best putter in the world, and he won there. I, I wouldn't put Bubba Watson in the top, you know. I know that Bubba Watson putted well last year, before I say this, but Bubba isn't the most natural of putters. He isn't a branch Snedeker. No. He isn't a Phil Mickelson. He isn't a Russell Henley of the New Brigade. Mm. So for me, it's more greens in regulation. It's more consistency. Okay, okay. Now, Mark Leishman did there well. Did well there a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, um, for me, it's length, it's consistency, it's approach play, and that is Stenson's game at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. Well, I think that that kind of wraps up the four majors so we were going to ask you very quickly just to tell us who you thought I know you were saying it's your, your colleague or your partner who deals with the European Tour more than, than you You're, you look at the American side of it but uh, the race to Dubai anybody uh, is, it, is it Rory McIlroy's again by Maybe, uh, this is it. if you look at the race to Dubai um, the whole race to Dubai it's, it's all about really it tends to be about how people perform at the majors in it because you know the, the, the points that you gain from that are so much, you know, so high that you've got to do well at major championships, which, when you're actually looking for a, a, a longer shot, someone with a bit of value, makes it difficult, you know, to pick someone like that on the race to Dubai. But I asked Paul yesterday um, just for his thoughts on it, and I completely concur with what he told me. He, he mentioned uh, the Torbjorn Olsen oh, at, okay. at 66 to 1. Now, if you look at Olsen, he's an interesting character. And I know for a fact that Paul's actually tipped him up for Abu Dhabi this week. Okay. I, I, I think, and Paul thinks, and it, you know, Nike don't tend to get many things wrong when it comes to sponsoring the right kind of you, you know, young players. 
I think Olsen could be a Martin Keimer-esque type player in the future. Someone that's really going to become a, a high-level, top elite golfer. And I'll tell you why I think that. Um, if you look at what he's done in the past, he was um, he was tenth. Uh, he was in the top ten at the Open Championship. And if you remember, uh, 2013, he was sixth at Augusta on debut. Mm. Now, someone to do that, a, a, a young Dane, European, on his debut at Augusta, for someone to actually come out and do that kind of performance speaks volumes for the guy, in my opinion. And I, I, I just noted down some golf courses where he's played well in the past. He got second at Abu Dhabi, third in Qatar, third at Dubai, you know, Dubai Desert Classic. Those kind of golf courses, as you guys know, uh, the, the top guys do well on those golf courses. He's, he's finished fifth at the, uh, the Spanish Open, second in the Italian Open. Now, he's the kind of golfer that's young, very, very talented, very, very high GIR golfer who, when he when when he can actually find a putter, can really putt extremely well. I think to, you know, to all be on Olsen at sixty-six to one isn't a bad shot for race to the buy. I, I was looking; uh, you can get each way top three on that. Okay. I just think he's going to have an exceptional season this year. And Paul, you know, Paul pointed pointed him out to me. He's a, he's very much of the same opinion. The other thing is he's starting. Um, he's I think he's uh, he's 80th in the world at the moment. So I'm we're expecting him to have a very good start to the race to Dubai in the next two or three tournaments on the golf mm-hmm. swing. So yeah, that that that's one that really jumped out to us. In terms of the FedEx Cup, do you would you? Even consider that as a long-term bet for the year, or do you, because it's such a, a crapshoot at the end of the day, the final series. I'm no expert, Barry, on the FedEx Cup. Um, I think I was looking at it slightly earlier. At the moment, it's the PGA Tour money list that you can bet on. Okay. That there isn't actually a market that I can see for the FedEx Cup. Oh. If they do open it, I think they open it up far closer to when the playoffs start. Well, that's probably a more interesting bet, the long the money list bet, then. Absolutely. Um, the thing with the FedEx Cup is when you've got winners like Bill Haas, you know, Brent Schnedeker, um, Billy Horschel last year, that like you said, it, it, you know, it, it boils down eventually to three uh, to four tournaments, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Are there any other long-term bets that you have that you're looking at or that you, you, you're thinking of for the 2015 season or, uh, or would you just take it a kind of event by event? No, I... I, I, I I'm one of these guys. I, I tend to go for. I, I, I tend to go for tournament betting more than anything. Cool. cool. Okay. And I know another question as well. Is there anyone that you have on your radar that you are you think is going to win shortly, and you're waiting to get them at the right event? You think is bubble, is bubbling under uh, performance wise? I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you send us. No, I, I, I tell you one young player I really like the look of. Um, he reminds me. This is the kind of, you know. I have, I have time on my hands. I, I tend to dig into a lot of stuff, crazy stuff that you know. I, I try and bring that out in my previews and my tips. Out in the states, they have uh, an organisation called the American Junior Golf Association (AJGA), and, and a lot of the a lot of the golfers you see now, your Ricky Fowlers, your Jordan Spieth, they played on this junior tour out in, out in America yet. Um, the player that really jumps out at me that's that's a rookie this year is Justin Thomas. Oh yeah, Justin Thomas for me, um, he's the kind of player that I can see winning uh, on it, winning as a rookie this year on the on the PGA Tour. You've just got to pick the right course with him. I don't know if you remember a few years ago he came from absolutely nowhere and he, he finished top ten at Torrey Pines at the um, at the at the Farmers Insurance Open, the old Buick Invitational, yeah. it was. And that, to me, you know, that that seven thousand six hundred yard Torrey Pines course, um, the kind of players that do well there, it's, you know, you just know that an elite player tends to win that tournament more times than not. Yeah, that said a lot to me about Justin Thomas, and I, I think if you look at if you look at his junior uh, and his amateur, uh, the way the way where he's played well, I think he could do well on Bermuda grass green. So you know, potentially as close as the Florida swing. Um, theoretically, he, I, I did look at him quite closely for this week, actually, at the Sony Open at yeah. Wiley. Um, but you ju- I just, I just think that Justin Thomas, in terms of the rookies, I, th- I think he's a guy that potentially 
um, could get get the job done this season. And uh, he's not scared of winning either. Yes, I like that. I like that. Okay, so we've talked about lots and lots of betting. Um, now it's on to the fun stuff. Do you, can we? What? What? Over the years, what would be, would be your most memorable bet or your biggest win or you know one that really stands out above the others? What? Um, Rory's first two majors. I, I was on him on both of those. Um, so that was something that um, I was very proud of at the time. It's always winning a major championship as a tipster. You do actually get an extra buzz out of it. And uh, the last couple of years, I mean, I, I was I was the guy that went on Sky TV uh, a couple of years ago, the week before the week before Muirfield, and said that that Phil Mickelson wouldn't win. The, uh, the Open Championship that year. So, yeah, yeah, I can, you know, I can and I do make some serious cock-ups, um, but you, you learn from these things, don't you? The reason I said that at the time was because no one had won the Scottish Open and then the week after yeah. won the Open Championship. Mm, yeah. Now, if there's, only, if there's one player in the world, two players in the world, that's going to blow that, it's going to be Rory McIlroy and it's going to be Phil Mickelson. And sure enough, Phil Mickelson... He, he, he blew that to smithereens mm. but um, um, I've had various winners over the years Scott Pearcey um, I got grabbed Scott Pearcey a few years ago at 50 to 1 for a Canadian Open I'd say one that I did get a Duff bag I call him Jason Duffner everyone was saying that Jason Duffner could never ever win a golf tournament in the, on the PGA Tour he was rubbish he was a bottle of this and the other <laughs> I, did, I tipped him up in New Orleans the, the week he won that he wasn't a great price but when you do stuff like that yeah, yeah, I've always said winning on the PGA Tour and winning or winning in professional golf is the hardest thing you can do. Mm-hmm. You know, ask Jim Fury. Um, <laughs> but every dog has its day. Yeah, yeah. There's various players you just know. You know, Brendan DeJong is another one. A lot of people, oh, Brendan DeJong is in Barber yeah. and he'll never win a golf tournament. But you just know, you can see that slowly but surely, Jimmy Walker's an absolute prime example of this. Jimmy Walker hadn't won absolutely anything. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, he won three PGA Tour titles last last season, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, he, you know, Ryder Cup, he was top ten in majors. You know, it does, it can happen, it does happen. I, I always think to myself that players just mature at different paces and at different levels, you know? Mm-hmm. Some players mature when they're young they're quick they, they all of a sudden they start stringing results together and then other players it takes them time to get used to the pressure to understand to learn what they need to do when they get you know when they're on the on the back nine on a Sunday yeah yeah so uh, you see are there any players out there that you know that you guys fancy this season on the PGR the European Tour who haven't won who you think are you know are, are going to come out of the uh, the woodwork the, the one and I, I suppose it's not that much of a big name one person who I think on the PJ Tour is going to have a really big year this year is Matsuyama. Uh, and I know it's it's not it's 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 not that much of a surprise. As I said, I kind of had a half look at him for the US Open at fifty to one, but as I mentioned earlier on, I don't think I think it's more uh, straightforward because I think he is a superb driver of the ball, very accurate, hits it long, and he's a, a kind of you touched on as well. He's a real greens and regulation machine. They said it last night on the telecast. He was the number one iron player on tour mm-hmm. over the. Yeah. No, I can see that. Yeah. If you look at his, if you look, he wins tournaments. I'll tell you how he wins tournaments. It isn't with the putter. He wins them with the irons. Yeah. And it, his pro- proximity to hole numbers are absolutely outstanding. Yeah. He, I, I just, I would not be surprised to see him win two, three majors this year. And I, I wouldn't be surprised. Majors? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry, tournaments. <laughs> Both <Bold> statements. <laughs> <Well, I'm> sorry. <laughs> Uh, so no, I will edit that bit. Yeah, uh, <laughs> tournaments, but I think, and I think he could win very early in the season as well. I would, I wouldn't be surprised to see his uh, his price for a lot of the majors come down a bit. You know, um, I think he could start the season well. In my, my mind, Matsuyama had absolutely no right to go anywhere near winning at Kapalua. Mm. For, for me, he struggles on Bermuda grass greens. All of his wins are on Ben. Um, you know, Kapalua, it's a specialist course. People, you know, it takes time to get to know it. His performance last week was absolutely phenomenal. And I, I know this is getting really anal and boring. I'm just looking at the stat, the statistics from last week. He actually putted, in terms of strokes, strokes going putting, Matsuyama, he was 21st out of 34. Oh, wow. It's all about the ball striking. It's all about the accuracy yeah. of his, of his driving and his GIR. He 
he's, he's a poor putter, really, if you look at the uh, look at the statistics. But I, I think he's a winning machine. He, he's like Patrick Reed, isn't he? I, I think he's going to take Asian golf onto a new level. I really do. Yeah, yeah. One of the uh, one of the players I think will have a breakout season is Tiger. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's he's one to watch. Uh, there's my tip. Uh, you know, do, do you think he uh, is ever going to get close to, to the record, Steve? We've we've had long debates on this podcast before about whether or not he's a spent force. Um, what's your view in relation to Tiger version three point five? I think at this uh, stage, version forty seven or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't think he'll get anywhere close to Jack's record. Um, do I see, see him winning a major? Potentially. Do I see him winning on the PJ Tour? Yeah, I can see that for sure. Mm. Um, we all know the courses he plays well at. Um, if he can keep himself fit, um, he, can, he can win what I'd classify as domestic PGA Tour titles, no problem at all. Um, there's, there's this idea now. I mean, well, how old's Tiger? I know. 39. I mean, well, how, 39. Well, well, this is it. Well, so we last chance saloon yeah, for Bob's stat. This is the whole point as to the point you raised earlier, isn't it? Mm. The 40-year-old barrier. So, yeah. I don't know. Now, I, I, mean, I think that if someone is going to break that sort of thing, it would be someone exceptional. I think Tiger... <laughs> I Tiger Bob beeping <laughs> in reverse right now. <laughs> but, no, I think... I, I would rule out a lot of the fields, and, and I, I think it's very hard to back Tiger at the short prices that he's at. But I think if there's one player who might break that rule, it could be Tiger. Like I, I, I don't think Phil. I couldn't see Phil doing it. Yeah. Um, and I think in whatever 15 years time, I think Rory could be the kind of guy if he stays healthy. He would be the kind of guy who would break that rule. So no, I, I agree with that. It's yeah, Tiger. Yeah. He's, he's the exception to the rule for so many years. Why would he not continue to do it? I don't think he wins a major before he wins a regular event. That's my opinion on it. I think I think he needs to build up to winning a major. I think he needs to win a regular event before he gets to the fifteenth. Yeah, he needs to hire. He, he needs to win one of these high, you know, official world golf ranking tournaments. You know, one yeah. that we could mm. that, that we all know. But who was the one guy then? Because you said you know this statistic you've got, Bobby. Who who was the one guy that actually broke that rule? BJ, two thousand and four. Phil, um, Phil, I think won one of his majors, and he was like. 39 and 5 eighths or something like this. Uh, Bill, Bill was very close to it. 11 twelfths. Yeah, it, it, it was extremely close. His birthday might have been like in a month or two afterwards. So VJ is yeah. the only one that's done it. And I just think the way the modern game is, the way that people are hitting the ball long, I think it's... Uh, but for me, I find it's a betting strategy for me that if I'm looking at an American major, I can just strip out people over 40 straight away and... I've, yeah. It's something that's helped me eliminate players. I, a lot of people obviously say, "Well, the British Open," and I think that's a course where a lot of those courses maybe it's the, the field is a bit more level. I think where their their experience counts for an awful lot more in those courses, and they, they feel like it's a more level playing field because they aren't prodigiously long golf courses either. And you know, the, the it's the, the youth factor is leveled out a lot more in the links courses. Plus, no, there's precedent as well. You know the, the way that golf courses have now developed into you know a lot of these courses are what you know you've got your classical golf courses, haven't you? But the longer PGA Championship type courses that are all about length, all about power, yeah, you, you can understand that uh, you know someone that are forty or above is going to struggle, struggle mightily to win a major championship round somewhere like that. But yeah, the Open Championship could be the one. But yeah, Tiger's just. Uh, what I do think, I think it's going to be a, a, I really do, I don't know what you guys think, I think this season can be very, very exciting. You've yeah, got yeah. Rory McIlroy at number one, you've got Tiger coming back, you've got a revitalised Phil that really wants to get back into the major action, you've got the young pretenders like Fowler, Matsuyama potentially, you, you know, you've got the old guard there like Rose and Scott, guys that have won majors that want to come back. I, I, I think it's going to be a very, very competitive season of golf, mm. undoubtedly. Yeah, I think it is. It's it's that bit more exciting because Tiger's back, and I hope he stays fit for the whole year. Um, my, my one little pick for we're going to loop back to the the one to watch out. I think Brooks Kepka might continue his trend of just success on every level he's he's gone to thus far and. I think he might sneak a win on the PGA Tour this year. I don't think that, I don't think it'll phase him being a rookie over there at all. Well, no, he, he finished top five at the US Open last year, didn't mm. he? I mean, he's some kind of player, Brooks Copeland. Yeah. He's, he's a fantastic specimen. Yeah. Again, he, he's a big, strong guy, isn't he? he, he you know, and high GIR, so you can see Kupka going extremely well this year. Mm-hmm. 
bringing bringing the quality and standard of golf down to a different level. Do you play golf yourself, Steve? Before we wrap up, do you play golf yourself? Uh, no, Paul and I go for a hack around one of our local par threes occasionally, but no, we're not golfers of any. It's something I'd like to do more of. Yeah. I do enjoy it when I play with Paul. Yeah. Um, now that um, now that I'm becoming a, a bit older and um, uh, now that our first child's out of the way, you might find I can sneakily buy a second-hand set of clubs and actually go and uh, play a bit more. But um, I, I, it's a game I love. Um, mm. I do want to play more of it, that's for sure. Well, if yourself and Paul ever need a work excuse to come over to Ireland, um, you can come over and visit the three of us and we'll bring you out for a game at some stage. Yeah, oh, fantastic. Thank you. I might take you up on that. Do, do. Steve, before we, we let you go, um, in terms of, you mentioned your Facebook group earlier, and I think it's a golf betting system, and uh, you were saying to us off air that you, you have a competition that's running on that uh, on that Facebook uh Group. Just, just tell me what that's about, and, and and how the listeners might be able to get involved in it. Of course, I think one of the, I think the key thing behind the success of Golf Bank System as a, as a website is, isn't the fact that we're just a website that give out previews and tips. You know, there's hundreds of websites out there that do that. Um, it's the fact that we, we 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 do a lot more for punters. So we've got the free statistics, the predictor models. There's all a myriad of stuff we do. Like, um, I do a regular YouTube cast that goes out every week, a bit like a bit like this, but it's all around betting. But the, the really good thing that we do, we have a, on Facebook, we have a uh, golf betting system group where effectively you can. It's a, it's a private group, so we, you know, you come and join, and we, we let you in. And it's it's just full. It's about to, uh, we're coming up to two thousand three hundred people on there now, and it's all about just people that love golf betting. So. You know, there's there's loads of banter on there. There's lots and lots and lots of good information, some some information that um, that really does help you in terms of putting together your tips. We run a lot of competitions on there. So um, the one that we've got going on there right now is we we we, we run two competitions actually. I'll I'll give a quick shout out for our punters league. We do that with Paddy Power. Paddy Power effectively give away um, a twenty five pound free bet every week. And also a £250 free bet first prize for the season long winner. So basically, you give us your three players for the European Tour and the PGA Tour event of that week, and we then run a, a weekly prize and, a, and a, a season long prize. So that's the punters league that we run. Um, tends to get around about 150 to 200 entrants every week. The other one we've got is the 2015 Majors competition. This has been running for, this is the fourth year now. Uh, our punters league's been running for five years. It's um, Bet365 are sponsoring this way. So this one, £225 of free bets is the prize pot, uh, £225 or euros. Um, £150 euros to the winner, 20, 50 to the uh, runner-up, 25 to the third place. Effectively, all you guys need to do, it can be via Facebook, it can be via Twitter. I'm sure we can get the information out there. If I can uh, tweet it, you guys can retweet it. Yeah. You guys, all you've got to do is, before the first ball is struck at Augusta, is give us your four players that are going to win, surprise, surprise, the four majors. We're doing it slightly different this year, where you have to give a different name for each major championship. So, um, an example would be Rory McIlroy for the Masters, can't use him again. So, it's a one-and-done type format. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Graham McDowell at the US Open, Louis Oosthuizen at the Open Championship, Keegan Bradley at the PGA Championship. Yeah. So four different players for the four majors, and there's you know we've got these three bets up for grabs from Bet Three Six Five. So it's good. We've got some decent relationship with the various bookmakers, and you know they they give free bets, and it's something that we, we run a lot of competitions around as well. Yahoo Fantasy Golf, the PGA Tour Fantasy Golf. Um, the race to Dubai Golf. We run hundreds of competitions, different leagues around that, and it's just a big golf betting community. So I know that some of you guys have joined it. It's mm. just something that I'm sure some of your listeners might might be interested in. Well, Steve, uh, just uh, before any this goes out live, uh, I'll take uh, Justin Rose for the Masters, Dustin Johnson for the U.S. Open, Louis Oosthuizen for the uh, British Open, and Rory McIlroy because somebody uh, <laughs> in the know told me that they were the ones to go for. This doesn't mean that we can't pick them. <laughs> but just to give a shout out to Steve's Twitter, it's at Bamford Golf, and the is it Paul's Twitter is at Golf Betting. Yeah, that's it. Yep, yep. 
And it's uh, golfbettingsystem.co.uk as well, just in case uh, anybody has missed it. Um, Steve, it's been an absolute pleasure for me, and I'm sure I'll speak for the two lads as well, to say that uh, we're absolutely honoured to have you on, and it's been a cracking uh, conversation, very informative, and uh, I've no doubt that the listeners will have taken an awful lot from it. Uh, by the ah. amount of notes that are on uh, Bobby's page here, uh, there's <laughs> going to be a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of information to download. I'm an, I'm an admirer of your podcast. I, I know I, um, I, I listen to it regularly, and I, I, you know it's good to see that the numbers are getting bigger and bigger. And um, I hope you you get continued success with it. If you guys want um, some information or some views from me prior to any of the majors coming up this year, just you know don't hesitate. I'll, I'm more than happy to come on here. Brilliant. Well, I, I found this tremendously useful, so we'll definitely take you up on that because I think it's a lot better listening to an expert on betting rather than the three of us. I think. <laughs> Yeah, three so, professional spoofers. Yes, exactly. So, so listen, thanks again. Thanks a million, Steve. Oh.